If you've been listening to my show, you know that the importer on the back of the bottle is one of the surest ways to guarantee a quality bottle of wine. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Taub Family Selections. Taub Family Selections is a dynamic, fourth-generation, family-owned wine import company with a truly incredible portfolio of fine wines from 11 countries. These wines not only embody the unique terroir in which they are produced, but the passion and integrity of each family member involved from vineyard to table. Notable estates include Mastro Berardino, Bertani, Travellini, Ferrari, Coldorcia, Trimbach, Jean-Luc Colombo, Jean-Michel Jarin, among many other renowned producers. They also have from Bordeaux, Lafitte Rothschild from the left bank, and on the right bank, they have Chateau Lafleur. I'm telling you, these guys have it all. To find out even more, go to TaubFamilySelections.com. That's T-A-U-B, FamilySelections.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taylor, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today has been named by the New York Times as the foremost authority on hamburgers and America's biggest burger name by Eater LA. He's a well-traveled, Emmy Award-winning freelance filmmaker, author, and photographer. Say hello to George... Moats, I got it right. <laughs> Hello. It, it's even harder when I'm dealing with European names, bro. <laughs> uh, George shot, produced, edited, and directed his documentary, Hamburg, Hamburger America, which was nominated for a James Beard Award and recognized by the U.S. National Archives as an integral part of American food history. In 2016, George authored his first cookbook, The Great American, Hamburg, the Great American Burger Book, and George hosted and co-executive produced Travel Channel's Burgerland based on his book, Hamburger America, a state-by-state guide to great burger joints. And you can watch George on his show, Burger Scholar Sessions on Complex Media's First We Feast, now in its fifth season. And George is actually tied to one of our producers here in the studio. There's a big shout-out to Ronnie, who worked on that with him. And Lonnie and they all met at Travel Network, because that's how I roll on the show. But George, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Um, <clears throat> I know you're a burger guy, and, and we have some bourbon on table. We'll get into that. But what wine did you bring, actually? Okay, so what I brought was I, – I don't drink a lot of wine. I mean, actually, that's not true. I do drink a lot of wine. I don't, I don't know a lot about wine. <laughs> I wish I did, actually. This is – we joke around and call this a, a chablis. Yeah, I say chablis. So I, I think the French say chablis. Yeah. Right? That's what, yeah. <laughs> we call it a chablis. Chablis. And I, I'd say I say chablis just because everyone assumes that I'm a burger guy. I know nothing about wine. And I say chablis, and they say, no, it's chablis. I, say, I know it's chablis. <laughs> of course it's Chablis, but it sounds more fun to say Chablis. It um, does. So it's, it's a great it's a great Chablis. Yeah, it smells great. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I like a bit good dry, dry, bone dry. It's bone dry, but you know what's so interesting about um, Chablis is... It's a little fruit in there. It's, it's got fruit yeah. in there, and on the nose it even feels round, even though I know it's going to be lean and slaty and flinty, but like... Slaty. Ooh, there, wow, you're so good at this. Something <laughs> about... a good description. Something about those French and what they do with Chardonnay. So, mm. 
Yeah, this is definitely not a U.S. Chardonnay. Oh, that's tasty. It's good, right? That's very good. It's very good. It's very refreshing. See, I like I like the wines that taste more like beer. Yeah, when, when I'm, I'm a beer, I'm high, a big, big beer guy. <laughs> high acid, right? So this would go. Yeah. But I mean, I watched. I mean, we met through. I mean, I'm approaching through Instagram because you know, and like you, ha- you'll do all types of things. I'll see you with like oysters, roast. I mean, you're not just burgers. Like oh, you're no. actually a chef. So this is great. Would be great with oysters, man. Oh yeah, this is great with oysters. Yeah, yeah oysters are very steely. Yep. Right? So, yep. Slady, I like your slady. Minerally, <laughs> min, min, minnowy, Mineral, Min-min- minerally, minnowy, and and come there. Oh, so they have that salinity. So they have, yeah, yeah. So Chablis uh, goes well with that. Uh, Chablis, <laughs> Chablis. <laughs> one of my favorite though to drink. Uh, one of my favorite wines to drink is actually at Gruner. Oh, yeah, it's Gruner. because Gruner's got a little bit of effervescence in it, so it actually does taste like a beer. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's totally got like uh, it's that high acid, and and, and yeah. sometimes and depending, right. on, and depending on the Gruner, you're right. It has a little. Frizzante, as the Italians say, a little, yeah. a little petulance in it sometimes. So, exactly. Um, well, so cool, man. So I'm so glad we're getting to do this because um, I love burgers. Uh, I, I tagged you in one of my posts and you approved my, my, my Oklahoma burger, which made me feel so good. Nice. You know? Excellent. And, and you know what? My burger posts get more likes than my wine posts. <laughs> it's the cheese. It's the cheese. It's the cheese. It yeah. just, and it just melts and just got the pickles <laughs> hanging out. So you know, nice work. I, mean, I actually I don't give a whole lot of kudos to people who make the burger that I make all the time. Yeah. So I know I, 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 I was like, oh, my, I, like it was no, that was a big deal. I was like, baby, look, 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 he liked my bows. He said, looking good. <laughs> I'm glad I could make you and you did, your man. wife happy. You <laughs> did. Yeah. So so let's start at the beginning, man. Um, according to my researchers, two of whom are in the room, <laughs> uh, you're from Kansas. Is that right? Kansas? Who said that? No. <laughs> Excellent research. No, I'm from New York. I grew up on Long Island. <laughs> Kansas. I like that. Wow. Good job. So, wow. so wait. So hold on. Wait. Wait. So listen. 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 So we could. I could just cross out. If so, explains the love of beef. Beef country. Good job, team. <laughs> Uh, like, like, like I've no, no nothing disparaging about Kansas whatsoever. It's a great place, um, but it's it's weird. I, I'm, people do think it's odd that I'm not from Kansas, or people think, oh, you must Nebraska, be from Texas. You look like Texas. a Texas kind of guy. <laughs> like, what the hell does a Texas kind of guy look like? I'm like, I'm wearing boots and a cowboy hat. No, but I, people do. Uh, they seem concerned when I'm not from the middle of the country, and I know everything about hamburgers. I grew up in New York, and the reason I have such a great love of hamburgers is because I was surrounded by literally nothing growing up in, in terms of hamburgers on Long Island. I had to get the hell out of there. So I had the itch to get out there and do something right away. Okay. Okay. That's why. So um... <laughs> that's, why the, that's why the canvas vibe. <laughs> so what part of the island are you from? I grew up in Garden City, Long oh, Island. Okay. So I, I spent a lot of time in the Hamptons. My, I, my entire family has now moved to the Hamptons okay. full-time. They're full, full-time you know, year-round residents in the Hamptons. Yeah. Yeah. Which was doable if you did it at the right time. Oh yeah, it's yeah true. I, well, yeah. they've been out there for decades. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like no one, you, you couldn't, no one went out of Hamptons. Yeah, the, trust me. Whenever the pandemic started and people started moving out there, they were like, "No, stop! <laughs> <laughs> What's happening here?" <laughs> oh, well, you did get it right. It's, it's Garden City High School. But oh, Garden City. That's what it was. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, now I see it. Yeah, no, no, not, not the Garden State, not yeah. New Jersey. Not yeah, exactly. Garden City. So yeah. you left Long Island. Yep. <laughs> not the Midwest. <laughs> Another Midwest. 
<laughs> and found yourself in Washington, D.C.? D.C. was for school. Okay. Yeah. I went to school uh, four years at uh, Catholic U in D.C. Right. Had a great time. And the day I graduated, I said, get me out of here. <laughs> I couldn't. This is a theme I of was, your life. You're like, was, get me out of Long Island. <laughs> I was done. I was done with D.C. I loved D.C. for the four years I was in school, but I had to get the hell out of there. Um, but again, there was you know, there's good burger culture there. I still had to get out. You know, But I wasn't, it wasn't all about burgers. I just had to get out and start a life. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't really do it in this weird town that was constantly changing politically and ideologically it was weird yeah so you you mentioned so like burger culture like was there any place so like i watched these shows like you know diners driving the dime i'm gonna watch a movie and i go home i did some research on me but like like there's got to be a good burger place on long island right oh yeah yeah, yeah, okay yeah. yeah so like growing up was there was there a spot like your, your your dad would take you to, and it was like a drive-in, like a Stewart or something crazy, yeah. and he roller skate. Like, what was that? Like, there's a whole bunch. I mean, there's uh, one of the most famous is a place called Hildebrands in okay. East Williston, New York. Uh, they've been around for I think over a hundred years now. It's an old 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 place. It's an old um, ice cream fountain. So like a sort of soda jerk type of thing, uh, but they have a great burger on the menu, and they get fresh meat from down the street. They're actually in danger of uh, going out of business or losing their lease, which I hate. So I always like to shout out to Hildebrands in East Williston. Please go have a burger there and enjoy a burger, enjoy the place because it's not. It may not be around for much longer. Yeah, so. no, that that's the worst when. Um Something's been around like that long, but they don't own the building, and then like a new landlord moves in. Yeah, exactly. Or they they decide they decide that it's old and it should be it should be moved away, or it should be over. It's over, you know. But it has some really important uh, elements to it that that it should be preserved. It's, it's one of the pieces of American history. I mean, it should be pre- preserved. Absolutely. Oh, this is gonna be good. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> she wants me. To... Oh, closer to the microphone. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Okay. It's okay. Um. And then, so DC, which is a, is an interesting town, um, like you said, it's definitely changed over the last, I'd say since since '08 when Obama. Yeah, it, it's been a huge change since '08. Oh, yeah. But but um, how'd you end up at the Catholic University? Was there, was was there something you were majoring? You wanted to study there, or do you really want to know how I ended up at Catholic? Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> it was the only school I got into. <laughs> This is a true story. I'm sorry. And I actually went back to – I think I was kicked out. It's a different story. Don't ask. Um, but I somehow managed to talk my way back into the college, and I graduated late. And But then years later, I made a movie and brought a couple of books, and I said, we'd like to have you come back and speak at oh, school. Right, exactly, oh, right. God, here we right, go. Right, right, so right. I got up on stage. I did my whole thing. I showed my film. I talked to the crowd. And the first question that somebody had in the Q&A was little kid, little kid, 17-year-old girl in the front row. And she said, what's your most memorable experience about being at school? Just like that. And I said, uh, getting kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I had all these teachers, ex, you know, former ex, former teachers in the front row who just all, you know, face in hands, face in the, in the, you know, on their head. And oh no, uh, yeah. So that was that was a true story. Oh. Um, but I I love being there. I mean, I love being Catholic. It was sort of the kind of school you just you did what you wanted okay. to do. I ended up with, <laughs> I think at one point I had four radio shows. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> on the station because if someone said, "Oh, I can't do my shift for the next semester," I'll do it. I'll do it. So I was, I, I, I was kind of addicted to being on the radio, and I ended up with four radio shows. I loved it so much. Um, I also was the photo editor of the yearbook there. I shot stuff for the newspaper. I ran something called the program board. I mean, I had a lot of fun at school. Oh that had nothing God. to do with school. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, that's like I think there's a difference between education and learning. And you were like learning stuff Ooh. that that has come into play in your yeah. life. I'm looking at where you are now, but like that's crazy. Four radio stations. Like, so you're a media guy. You just love. Yeah, yeah. I like entertaining. Yeah. I like being the guy who you know. I always said to myself, if you know, if I, I'm never going to be a lawyer or a doctor. 
but maybe I could be the guy that entertains the people who come home from being lawyer and doctoring because <laughs> <laughs> they'd appreciate that. And that's exactly what's happened. And that's something I thought about years ago. And it's actually somehow miraculously has come true. Yeah. Well, that's so, that's so cool. So when did the photography and filmmaking really start coming to play? Did this start when you were in college down in D.C.? No, or? before I went to college, um, oh. my, my mother was a professional photographer. Oh, okay. um, she still is. I should say yeah. was. She's she's sorry, mom. <laughs> Shout out to mom, photographer. Um, I, I remember I took one of her like Instamatic cameras and shot. I went on like some field trip uh, and shot up the thing, and it was all like shots of like people's feet and the sky and mountains. And she said, "Where are the people?" And she was absolutely right. I had not taken any images of any people, so she taught me how to basically focus on you know think about shooting people. That was mm. it, you know, not shooting, filming, uh, f- taking photos of people. Right. <laughs> Let's get that's very straight. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I just go off that. Like, <laughs> Sorry well, about that. It's okay because I think it's funny. But a lot of people told, but like, um, so, but, but she gave me my first camera. She gave me my first real SLR, and I shot with that. I brought that to college. I learned the great lesson by losing it. Uh, losing the camera and having to replace it myself. Mm. Um, so I've, I have a great uh, appreciation for photography from my mother. Okay. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. So cool. So um, you said, I had to get out of this town that had shifting political and just kind of crazy. Uh, where'd you land next after you got out of D.C.? Next, I went to Manhattan. Okay, came back. I moved right here. I lived in Manhattan for the next, wow, for uh, 18 years. Damn. Yeah. And then from there to Brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> for another... <laughs> 18 years? No, what is it? <laughs> wow. I've been, in, I've been in the city now for 30, yeah, 30 something years now. I guess 32 years. Okay. Yeah. I live, I live in New York City. <laughs> so, what was like that first job when you, got, when you landed back in Manhattan? <laughs> My first job, well, I've never gone back this far. Uh, <laughs> the details. Like the detail, first job I actually had in the city, I was working for a production company called R. Greenberg Associates. They made the they were famous for making the Superman titles for the film Superman. Oh wow! And so I worked for them. They at that point had become a really big deal, and I was I was a studio manager there. And I got another job as a studio manager working for a food photographer, a guy named Greg Ramsey, at a place called Fahrenheit Films. And I worked there for five years, and he just kicked my ass up and down. And I learned a lot there for sure. That was a big deal. I mean, that was I learned a lot about how to shoot food. Mm-hmm. My my appreciation for like food photography came from that guy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Getting my butt kicked <laughs> a lot. Um. Yeah, let's like food photography. Let's like let's dive into that because like I think people, I didn't realize I lived in California for a while and I met someone. She was a food stylist. Like she would style the food. Like she's there with her little lacquer. Like oh, yeah. what? Like what is like true pe- craft? Yeah, like yeah. People think why doesn't my food like it looks in the magazine? Why why doesn't the food <laughs> you make it home look like it looks in the magazine? Yeah, I mean that's food styling is a very very important craft. It really is. You know, so you say you've you know, I've I've worked a lot of food stylists over the years. I am a food stylist myself also. I do my own food styling now yeah. because of working with Greg Ramsey at Fahrenheit. Uh, I learned a lot about just the tri- not just the tricks but also just the the ethos like how how are you supposed to make food look. And the trick is to make food look appetizing. Make it look like you want to just d- dive into that thing. It's not oh. just the what it looks like, it's the angle you shoot it at, it's everything. Got everything. It. You yeah. got to win them over right away. If you look at my Instagram account, pretty much all the food shots are either three quarters of uh, three quarters up looking down or straight overhead. Yeah. You never see stuff in the low angle, which people like to do, because when you're looking at food, you're actually looking at it at oh, yeah, three quarters down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this, right? Because you, you want to look like you could eat your eat your phone or eat oh your computer God. screen. That's the idea. And you know what's so funny? Like once you hear it articulated, it makes complete sense. But like in, right. in the moment, like it's just see. This is the thing: kids advertising, marketing. 
it's working on deep subliminal levels you don't even know about. <laughs> I'll tell you a, a short story is that I was uh, doing a, uh, a consultation thing for a big, one of the big three hamburger jobs. I won't tell you which one. And they said, we can't quite figure out why, you know, the, the, uh, the images are not like, they're not uh, working right now. Well, what are we doing wrong? And I said, I, I was in an advertising agency in New York and I said, look, you're not, it doesn't look edible. I can't eat that. It does not look <laughs> like something you, it's too styled. Make it look great. And I said, I said, you want to see what a, a really great like edible photo looks like? Check this out, and I put up on the screen. It's a big shot of like a it was a <laughs> it was a box of five In and Out Double Double Animal Style. Looking down into the box, it was just it looked like someone had just dropped the box. It was just a mess of like onions and cheese and grease. I said, "That's what the kids want. That looks edible." And they they were all taking notes like crazy. And the next when they they changed their entire advertising campaign, it's all been like since then. This was years ago, like sloppy shots. I know who it is now. Dripping. Yeah. I, I know who it is. I'm not gonna say, <laughs> you know but exactly I, I know exactly who it is now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I made change at that agency. Look at that man. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> he changed the game for this chain. There's a rhyme in there somewhere. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on like we'll get to it like but like. Obviously, you sit in and out. We got, we're going to dive into like, some of your favorite burgers later, but I'm going okay. I'm I'm to push that for now. That's because that's going to be juicy. Get it? See what I did there? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, uh, you worked with this guy five years, you kicked your ass. Then, then, when, then when, where where'd you end up next? Uh, I went on my own. Okay, And wow. started filming, doing, working on my own. I, went, I ended up joining the union. I became a local 600 uh, director of photography. Uh, which is a, uh, you know, it's, it's the local camera union. Well, mm-hmm. it's a nationwide camera union. Um, very happily uh, in, employed working on commercials for about 20 years. Um, and then I ended up uh, in behind the, I was behind the camera for many years. Ended up in front of the camera. And okay. That was that was the real that was the real <laughs> eye opener, because I, my very first job, I was on Travel Channel. We're on a on the on a we're working on something called Made in America. Remember Made in America? Remember that? So Made in America. Uh, it was basically me going around the country uh, and interviewing people as they're making something in a factory. And we went through the beginning, like starts out with this raw material and the, it goes these mm-hmm. things and it's sewed this way or stamped this way. And I would always test the the final product. It was so much fun. We had the greatest time. And, it was, and these products that were made in America was only American factories. And it was in one of them, the very first one. And I was standing in front of the camera. And I said, listen, everybody, <laughs> I've done every job you've got back there. The sound guy, the producer, the camera, every, I've done everything. Food styling, you know, wardrobe. I've done it all. What I haven't done is what I'm doing right now, so go easy on me. <laughs> it was true, and I, that made me feel really good, so I was okay. But I'd never done it before, so I ended up shifting from behind the camera to in front of the camera and did more and more of that. did the show Burgerland, yeah. which ran for one season. I did other shows. Now, I've, I've, had, I've been to two other shows since then. Right. So I'm, I'm still filming and doing my own stuff, but I do only – I basically <laughs> – part of the fun. Part of the fun, I shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been different. I've been producing my own stuff, and and you know, and the nice thing about Burger Scholar Sessions, which I'm, I assume we're going to get to, yeah. is that that show was it was born during the pandemic, and it oh, was wow. uh, yeah, it was actually just me and my girlfriend yeah. uh, in the apartment because nobody else could be around. They sent us camera gear, lights, and audio, and said, "Can you do this on your own?" I said, "Sure." I have my background allows wow. me to do that. Wow! And I was the only host on the channel on the network that could do that. Yeah. Yeah, wow. or that, I should say that wanted to do that. Right, I don't know. Right, <laughs> there are right. a couple of the hosts would be like, um, "No, go away with that idea." That's hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, "Bring it on, let's do this." <laughs> yeah. So you did some um, pretty good work behind the camera too. I, uh, you worked on like a Jude Law film. I did actually. <laughs> so I was, I did work on a couple of Hollywood, like yeah. big Hollywood films. 
Um, I was always chosen as like a because of my food background um, and because you know working with Greg Ramsey, I ended up uh, doing a lot of like food. I was like the food guy on set. So I did a, did a, I did a something for It's Complicated. I think it was the yep. movie, and I was I was like the food you know photography consultant for all of um, Meryl Streep's cakes. She made cakes and stuff. Oh, sh- I, you know, yeah, so I, I shot all those. Yeah, I love that movie just because I lived in Santa Barbara. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. so yeah, so it, it's a, it's <laughs> like I know like a lot of this where they were shooting and yeah. the references. Oh, that's really cool. Well, it's funny because those I, those were to me they were small films. They were just small parts that I I, I was like the fifth or sixth camera crew on, on these huge Hollywood things. And but because it's Hollywood, they everybody has to take they, you get credit for everything, you know. Right. But I worked in, in commercials and, and promos forever and never got credit for that stuff because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every day I'd get up and go to you know some job it was you know I'd shoot sports or I'd shoot you know fashion or whatever. But those never get like you know they don't, they don't get there's no credits for those. <laughs> uh, you know what? That is so yeah true. Yeah, these little things I do for the film, which are fine. I had the greatest time, but it was like, you know, I'd walk in and like, you know, I'd, I would work for a couple of hours and then so you get credit and everyone knows about that then. <laughs> that's funny. Um, again, this is like things I think, and that's why I like, I love having just different guests on because there's so much like I don't know, right? Like, you know, like people make more money off of commercials than you do off of videos, but I, I know video yeah. producers. You know, I knew, yeah, yeah. I knew who Hype Williams was in the 80s. You exactly. know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, other people shot videos and now they're directors yeah. because it, it was a thing. But like think of all the billions, trillions of dollars that oh, come yeah. out of commercials and no one know who, know who the fuck's that. You know, except a few people at the agency, but no one in the world knows like, oh, my God, I love that commercial. Right. It's true. Yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like that kind of unsung stuff, you know. Yeah, I was the my, my my one of my greatest claims to fame in the film business was that I was the I shot LCD Sound Systems first music video. Oh shit! Fact. That's dope. I gotta get I gotta get the lead, the lead singer drinks wine, and I think I have a connection. I'd love to interview. Oh yeah, him. you yeah. definitely should. He's yeah. a, he's a good guy. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just know him from the video. But that's so cool. See exactly. See that's what's up. So. You do all this work. How did you um, end up on burgers? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> so the burger thing was really an accident. It was a fluke, complete fluke. Uh, it was not supposed to be my calling or my future or my career. Now it's actually it's become my career. Uh, but what happened was I was shooting TV commercials, traveling around the country, and I would get to an area and people say, George, you know all about hamburgers. Where are we going to get a hamburger? <laughs> okay, well, I can figure it out. I would always figure out where to get the best hamburgers. And I had rules, you know, what, what a hamburger, good hamburger should be. It shouldn't be something that's new. It should be something maybe that's, you know, over 20 years old, 30 years old. It's been around for a long time. Where are these places in America? And I started realizing that there were stories there. So we'd shoot for a couple of days on the commercial, the job. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a later flight. I'm going to go check out this place. And I bring the camera and do an interview. Oh, sure. And I created a film called Hamburger America, which was I actually profiled eight of these places. And that became the basis for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's weird because I never was a hamburger expert. I was just a guy who was a filmmaker. Um, and then I started to really learn a lot about hamburgers. And people would say, oh, you, you're obviously a hamburger expert because you know what you're talking about. You've, you've, you, you've had all these burgers. You've been out there in the middle of the country where nobody goes on the coast. You know, You must know something about hamburgers. And I realized that I just by default, because of just my experience and all those places that I had filmed and then made the book of 100 different places in America, which now is 200 places, you know, in the book, I had actually become America's hamburger expert. I'll safely say that. <laughs> uh, you know, that shit is so funny. Like, I mean, I could have chosen diapers. 
I, not that I would have, but I could have chosen. I could have chosen hot dogs. No, you, even. You, you, I, you there, there was chosen. already hot dog guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what if I what if I become some other kind of expert? And I realized it was possible because I was I was watching CNN one day uh, years ago, and um, there was somebody came on as a lost luggage expert. I said, lost. <laughs> wow. Wow. You could, you could be an expert at anything. Wow. Lost luggage. So I said, okay, fine. I can be that guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, sir, your luggage is in fact lost. <laughs> I knew that two hours ago, motherfucker. What does a lost luggage <laughs> expert do? Seriously. On the news. Know, right? you know, well, the news has to justify who's on the camera. How do we talk, how do we describe this guy? See, oh, lost luggage. Okay. Definitely one of the banes of the 24-hour news cycle. Ah, I don't know. Let's talk about lost luggage. <laughs> Find me a lost luggage expert. <laughs> And this is before the world was as exciting as it is now. I know. <laughs> lost luggage was exciting news. Wait a minute. I've lost luggage. I'm, I'm tuning in. <laughs> and it's like that shit is like, you know how they tease you with the news and you're like, uh, coming up at 11, how to find your lost luggage. And they put that shit on at 11 fucking 27. <laughs> People have been staying up to watch how to find their luggage. <laughs> He's right. I've that's happened to me before. <laughs> I can relate. Sorry, it's true. It is true stuff. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit more about Hamburg America. So you said it was eight places. Where were the eight places that you filmed for Hamburg? So actually, originally there were ten. Okay, and two of them were in. One of them was in New York. One was in Los Angeles. Okay. And at the very last second, I decided, you know what? I don't need to include the coasts. I really want people to appreciate the hamburger America, yeah. <laughs> hamburger come America, that I had discovered, yeah. which was to get out there and just travel. I mean, unfortunately, they're called flyover states. We literally fly over them all the time, right. back and forth from L.A. Right. Or, um, to New York, and we, we don't take the time to think about what, what's down there, unless <laughs> you're from there, or you have a reason to go there. Um, but it is a wonderful, wonderful place. It really is. Um, it's the great pastiche that is <laughs> the Midwest is, uh, is sort of – I mean, it really is the, the birthplace of the American hamburger. Um, it's some of the the best primary source hamburgers are out there, so that's why I, that's what people have to appreciate, you know, that, that middle part of the country. But the other, so the so it was the two in L.A. Uh, sorry, one in L.A., one in New York. It was going to be the Corner Bistro. It was going to be the Apple Pan. Okay. So to me, those are two of my favorites in the coast. But then I, I ended up including the Billy Goat Tavern in Chicago, uh, Sally's Grill in Milwaukee, mm. which is the home of the Butter Burger. Um, Love a butter burger. A place called the uh, the Wheel In Drive In in Sedalia, Missouri, which is the home of the Goober Burger, but they're mm. gone now. They got torn down, mm. fortunately. Um, the Bobcat Bite in Santa Fe, which is the home of the Green Chili Cheeseburger. Um, I'm going to forget. I'm not going to forget a bunch now. Oh, Louis Lunch in um, New, New Haven, Haven mm. of course, which is you know, home of the like the, the birthplace of the burger, which is we found it was that's not the true. claim. Yes, and I I went to college in New Haven, so yeah. Okay, yes, it was so, debunked. Yeah, I know. I've, I've heard that. I'm part of the debunking. Yes, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the debunking crew. I'm like the, I'm like the president of the debunking crew. I love those guys so much, but unfortunately, the claim has been debunked, and it's been we have it in print. That's why. Yeah, you know, I feel bad, but it should be debunked. I mean, in a, in a, yeah. Also, we don't need any more fake news, especially fake burger news. Right. Well, they didn't know. Honestly, they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back then it was you know the internet and everything just made made the world kind of small. Back then they they could make that claim because nobody else could. Yeah. Now we actually know because of you know microfilm and scanning and oh look at this newspaper that came out 20, ten years before you oops yeah, sorry no, anyway um <laughs> just a true story i think it was it i think i've lost count is that eight yeah it's close yeah, enough, close, <laughs> close enough. 
yeah. seven or eight. But there, so, there were the idea is there. Oh, there was one at Dyer's in Memphis, home of the home oh. of the deep fried burger. Oh shit, a yeah. deep fried burger. That's why I had to have that Ooh. one in there because it was deep fried. Ooh. And they were all there were more. There were stories that were equally equally about hamburgers as they were about people who made yep. them. And every single one of them had no clue why I was putting them on camera. Don't, I, that's isn't that like I think of I could see that because this was a. Probably when did you film this? This is two thousand to two thousand one to two thousand four. Yeah, this is like before like diners, drivers, and dives. Yeah, like, oh, and, oh, even, yeah. and you look yeah. at even those early shows, like people like why, like people wrote in, but like they're so now people want to be on it, but people were just like just yeah. doing their thing. Well, there were no food celebrities back then. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like wait, who? I think of some of them. Julia Child. Was wait, one wait. There's Julia back. Child, and and I think Emerald was around in two thousand one. That's right. Emerald was around. Yeah. Emerald. Em- Emerald. Yeah. Emerald. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was definitely a celebrity, a yeah. food celebrity. Um, but there weren't many. But that was it. Yeah. But the, yeah. On TV. Oh, on TV. None. Yeah. Even, but even like uh, to the Galloping Gourmet. What was his name? Oh yeah, yeah. Robert. No, not Robert. What was Robert Gelly. <laughs> what was his name? Oh man, I used to watch that show. Name. A great guy. I met him. I worked with him once. He was a very, very cool guy. Um, that was like such like a. Single dude show like, hey, <laughs> cook for the ladies. Have it some really wine. was. I, told, sure. I look back yeah. like I'm like, yeah. It's like, hey, ladies like men who can cook. I told my mom I was working with her one day, and she said, oh my god, I love him. I said, mom, what? <laughs> you do? I was like, oh yes, absolutely. So I think she got it. And I was like, I don't get it. Um, so I'm trying to think what else uh, was back there, but no, that was pretty much it. Okay. I was, I was, yeah. I was uh, sort of at the forefront, <laughs> accidentally. Of that kind of food filming, and so no one knew. I mean, I would walk in these restaurants, and they would say, "What's we don't get it? What's the big deal? You know, it's just a hamburger." I'm like, "Ah, no, it's more than a hamburger. It's America." And they're like, "You're crazy." And so I was nuts. I mean, to do what I did, but somehow it picked up a little following. Like when the film came out, aired on the Sunday it was Sunday's Channel. Sundance, it was on the Sundance Channel, I think, in the beginning. It was the first people that had the film, and it built a pretty sizable like cult following. And then it just got bigger and bigger. Yeah. But I mean, it's been twenty years. I mean, it didn't didn't happen overnight, that's for sure. Yeah. It's been a twenty year growth. Yeah, you know, I always tell people if they're starting out, like you know, how can I be a hamburger expert? How can I do what you do? It's like fast forward twenty years and see where, see where you are then. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. I think yeah, um, build a brand is not easy. No, and and even and I think it's. On one level, it's even harder with uh, social because everybody's trying to build a brand. So on one level, it's, it, it can be a little harder. Like you yeah. have to – there's some advantages to knowing the craft like you did like before you came into it. Like, you know. Yeah. So, But the New York Times did say about Hamburg America, it was a picturesque, didactic, burger-loving program about entrepreneurism, American ingenuity, and beef. That's right. That's I was I was shocked by that review. <laughs> I almost fell over when I read that. I said, wow, that's pretty accurate. Wait, I looked up undidactic. What does that mean? Uh, um. And, and you know, I don't think the guy who owns a burger joint in the Midwest thinks himself as an entrepreneur. He's just like he makes burgers. You know, he yeah. has, he's, I have a business. I want a restaurant. But, yeah. You know, that's another thing. Like uh, how the nomenclature changed. It was like you were. It wasn't even a small business owner. You owned a business, or you worked for yourself, and then it became entrepreneur. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's the New York Times. Yeah, they have to use big words. That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you met all these amazing people, like you know, things. No pun intended, but salt of the earth because you need a lot yeah. of salt to make a good burger. Right. Um, how did it make you feel? Um, and did you understand that it would, like you said, it's been twenty years. You realized it would, it would have this stand the test of time. And you know, I didn't know it's, at the time. I was just, I was still filming and doing commercials and that sort of thing. I didn't really know what it was going, was going to happen next. I just knew that I made something I was happy with. I made people happy. I was getting free burgers, so I was, it was all, <laughs> it was all working out. But I, but honestly, two thousand ten was a turning point because a film came out in two thousand four, and now two thousand ten. I was just doing what I did, and uh, I was I was contacted by the National Archives, and they asked me to uh, come and speak to a crowd of people. They were showing a bunch of um, uh, food films, and they wanted me to be. They were 
co-opting the film into the National Archives. He wanted wow. me to come and talk about it. So I thought I was going to have to go down there and defend the burger and say, we need to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up, uh, ended up becoming uh, the exact opposite. The guy who introduced me said what I was – he almost g- gave my speech. And I literally went with my speech <laughs> and I was like, okay, wow, I guess I don't ha- – I realize you're all here because you, you already support the burger. This is there was a big turning point. It flipped at that point, and then I realized that you know my my job is a lot easier at that point. It's, yeah. it's still, I shouldn't say it's easy because it still is very difficult to get people to think the way I do, <laughs> and to be as passionate as I am about hamburgers. Um, but it's still it's definitely changed a lot because you have this the new burger better burger category has come along, uh, smash burger steak uh, sh- steak and shake which is an old school one. Uh, um, uh, what's some other ones? The Five Guys they all make. Basically, it's a better burger. It's a fresh meat burger, uh, and th- that definitely changed the game for for all of us because people were able to say, you know, if I can choose between like the big guys who are making frozen patties or like the, the fresh ones, I'm going for the fresh stuff, and, and they're going to pay more for it, but they were okay. And I knew we'd all done our jobs, and we were the hamburger was going to be saved in America, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you did a good job, man. I think <laughs> I think you, you spawned the, the you spawned the better burger. I mean, because McDonald's was never going to go out of business, unfortunately. Yeah. You know. Yeah, this is true. They also um, weren't going to change either, by the way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I think they've. I've seen like they do like they had some fresher burgers, but so let's get into like some different burgers. Um, I didn't get into it. Uh, let me back up because this is where we're going. So then, you did what a lot of smart people do. Then you write a book about the movie. That's right. Okay. <laughs> How can I make more money? How can I keep this going? That's right. Uh, no, no, but it's great. Hamburger America, a state-by-state guide to the great burger joints. Um, wow. Did you go off? How long did it take to put that together? It was actually shorter than the film because the film, I I, sp- I spread it out over like almost three years of producing just because I would go on a job and I would right, shoot the that film. Right, because that was your side yeah, hustle. Side, yeah. Total side hustle. Moonlighting, big time. Um, but the book was different because I actually was given a budget yeah. <laughs> and I got on the road and ate burgers. And they said, oh, it should be pretty easy. You'll just take your research from the film and roll it into a book. I said, nah, that's not the way this works. A um, hundred restaurants. It's a lot. It's a hundred. It's almost like writing a hundred articles for a new magazine. Wow. <laughs> so it's a hundred separate. That's each, like writing a hundred wine reviews. Or so. Yeah, exactly. Exa- you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah. writing a hundred reviews. Uh, but they weren't reviews. It's just that way to make sure everyone understood that was that when I made the book, I didn't want to write reviews. I didn't want to say this is bad, this is good. All I wanted to do was say, um, uh, it was almost like it was a guidebook. It actually guided you and still does on how to get through the restaurant. Like It'll say, like, walk in, look on your left, there's a tray, pick up the tray, walk along the counter, and make sure you get this first, order this first, don't use your cell phone, you know, don't ask for ketchup. So it's more of a guidebook on how to navigate that each burger place to get the right burger, which burger to order, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, because I lived in Philadelphia, people don't understand, like, a lot of these old school places... There's etiquette, like you just said. Like, Pro- uh, protocol. uh, protocols. <laughs> it's yeah. protocols, right? Oh, yeah. And if you don't follow them, they're going to take you into rendition and you'll never have a burger there again. Um, <laughs> but, like, literally, like, you know, it's like, you know, you don't say a cheesesteak. You say, I want a steak, fried onions, and whiz. You yeah. don't say, you know what I mean? Like, whiz. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, so, like, there's states where they don't use ketchup. Yeah. It's mustard. Yeah. It's true. And, 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 <laughs> a and, lot of that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, what were some of the, um, some of the most interesting protocols and burgers while you were doing the research for this. 
Oh, there's so much. I don't even know where to begin. I, uh, the, 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 I mean, for starters, you go to Louis Lunch. Okay. You know. Yep. What's the one thing you, you see if you test your hamburger knowledge here? What's the one thing that you cannot ask for? Ketchup. Exactly. Louis Lunch. They'll throw your ass they right out ketchup, of there. Yeah. yeah. And you can also try to think. I, you see, I've got people who try to sneak in ketchup packs. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard. Yeah. They don't. They don't play that shit. They look. They'll catch you right away. Yeah. You know. And what I was I was in there once. We were interviewing them. I, I think we did five shoot days there. Thank you. Did five shoot days there and. Um, one time, the phone rang. Hello? This, this is Jeff Lasson answered the phone. He said, what? He says, F you. I'm like, what happens? Like, they asked for 50 burgers with ketchup. I knew it was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how do you crank call Louis Lunch in New Haven? Oh, God. Order 100 guys. burgers with ketchup. But you actually get, you know, you get Louis Lasson's great, great grandson on the phone. Wow. Who's not going to take any shit from anybody, you know? And I, I was we uh, years ago on the Burger Show. I was on the Burger Show, which is uh, the show that's on First We Feast, uh, very popular show. Very happy to be a guest on that show. And I took I took Alvin Kylon, the um, uh, the host of the show, to Louis Lunch, and it's a true story. I, I, he said, "What's what are some of the rules about being in, in Louis Lunch?" And he's, I said, "Number one, don't be an asshole. <laughs> don't walk right. in here and be that guy or that girl who's just gonna be like, I want this or I want that. Well, what do you mean? Don't do this, you know." Don't be that person because you're not going to get the thing. You know, just walk in and ask for the burger. Be happy you're in the place. Right. Have some respect. Right. And right away, I looked over at Jeff Lassen, and Jeff had this big look on his face like, whoa, did George just say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did, buddy. You know, so with other things, I mean, there's so much out there. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, there's so many, so many different, so many burgers out there and so many traditions. I mean, there's another perfect example, a place called Hudson's in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, it's a town. I love the way it's spelled. Oh yeah, yeah. Beautiful French name. Yep. Um, but it's it's a lake town. It's on this lake. I forgot the name of the lake, but it's on the lake. The Coeur d'Alene's on the on the lake, and they do a lot of like sh- sailing on the lake. And there's a great hamburger joint in town called Hudson's. Hudson's has a spicy ketchup on the counter. I'll I'll eat the spicy ketchup. I like spicy ketchup. But I asked why it's spicy once, and they told me the craziest story. He said because during the Depression, nobody could afford anything, any food. So people would come in here and ask for a cup of hot water and they would just stick ketchup in it and make tomato soup and walk out for free. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's a true story. Yeah. So they decided to make it spicy, really spicy, so people would stop <laughs> making tomato soup. Wow. So why is it so spicy? And they, they would, that actually saved this. But of course, then not everybody, not ketchup, spicy ketchup at Hudson's is a thing. Right. So I got 500 stories like that, if you want. Yeah. And then, so <laughs> like, uh, uh, you know, we'll, I, I want to hear about the Oklahoma burger because I think that was also a depression thing. Actually, no, it it's was not, actually right? it's a pre-depression. Okay, Pre- pre-depression. <laughs> <laughs> it was the depression before the depression. Uh, there was actually there was there was a very big <laughs> there was a very big uh, there was a national uh, railroad strike in the twenties. Okay, um, it was, I forgot what it's called. It's got the workers something union strike or something. They had really cool. Um, Names for like the movements back in the day. Yeah, yeah they did. They, right. were like, they were like long and shit. Like they were, we're know. talking like four hundred thousand railroad workers out of work at the same time. Oof. And El Reno, Oklahoma, which is where the Oklahoma Onion Burgers from, was a railroad town. It is. It's still a well, it's still sort of a railroad town. It's a railroad history town. <laughs> uh, it's a great town in Oklahoma. It's, I mean, talk about salt of the earth. This is the real deal. Um, but pretty much the entire town was employed in railroad, and so every the entire town was out of work. Nobody could afford food. So an entrepreneurial, you know, burger guy decided, why don't I just take a big wad of thin sliced onions and smash it into a wad of beef? So he actually had the equal amount 
uh, beef to onion, and he created the uh, onion burger. And the combination of the the like the the frizzled you know fried onion um, cooking with the beef grease uh, created smells that would just permeate the entire town, and people were, there was no turning back <laughs> at that point. And now today in, in El Reno, Oklahoma, there are three places that are within a block of each other, and you can, and they're all onion burger places. And I think there's actually more like five or six there today. So mm. and the original place unfortunately is gone. But the, still, the, the tradition lives on in El Reno. Yeah. And then another uh, favorite of mine uh, is a uh, butter burger. So you did you go to a place where it started or or what's, yes yes okay tell tell explain what it, a lot of people don't know what a butter burger is. A butter burger is exactly what you think it is. It's a burger with butter on it. Yeah. Now people think, oh, I can just butter the bun. But no, it's not how a butter burger works. A butter burger is specifically it is a burger with creamy soft Wisconsin butter on the patty like a condiment. And if you're lucky, you get it at your spot at the counter just before it melts. Mm. So you still have this sort of semi-solid butter. And, you know, when we did the book originally, the cookbook, um, <laughs> we put a butter burger on the, in the book, obviously, with a recipe for it, which seems silly. Oh, butter on a burger. Um, but I want to make sure my entire crew, who was filming it and writing the book with me, Eight butter. We just we had to give them all a spoonful of butter to eat. And said, you got to eat this if you're working on this book. <laughs> and they were like, "No, oh, ew, gross." I'm like, "Why is it gross?" And I said, "It tastes like custard." Right. It just tastes. If, you, if you're eating really good butter by the spoonful, it's just it's that good. It can't be that good. So, yeah. but yeah. if you think of it as butter as a condiment, it's kind of strange. But it's also one of those things they tell people that you can't do. It's hard to do yourself. It's like self surgery. You can't really open. You can't cut yourself open and do some work. Um, <laughs> you'd want to do that, but you have to get someone else to do it for you. Right. That's the whole. That butter burger is better when someone else makes it for you because they need to put like two or three tablespoons of butter on the burger. Oh, I I, I could do that type of surgery on myself. <laughs> I wouldn't. I have no problem with that. <laughs> but I, I'm looking at like the producer there. They're they're like, oh my god, sounds like a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. They work very well together. I know. Um, so let's uh, talk about. I know it's hard, yeah, but like, you had to have had one burger. Be like, fuck, shit, wow. Like, what burger was that? Like, one during the summer. That was that was the greatest way someone has asked me that question. Yeah, I'm not gonna answer it <laughs> <laughs> because it, I can't. I don't. I never play favorites. Yeah, I have said I had a fuck shit wow moment. Yeah, a few times. Um, honestly, it's hard to. I can't. I, I, I know too much out there now at this point, so I can't sure. really play favorites. But uh, well, let's, let's just let's just say the burgers that I think are the best. Yes, that's are good. the ones that are like the true primary source burgers okay. that still exist. Like primary meaning they go back to the dawn of the hamburger 120 years ago okay. or earlier. But really, we, the re best recorded hamburger time is probably 120 years at this point. Um, and those those are the burgers that I love because they're simple. They had nothing more than right. just beef that was probably smashed on a flat top yeah. with uh, nothing more than either cooked or raw chopped onion, pickle and mustard, and that's it. Mm. And, th and then and served on a simple bun. Mm -hmm. you know, those are the burgers that I would eat. Those yeah. are the burgers I'm most interested in. You know, the people give me, you know, the, the one of the, I want to get the stunt burgers. I mean, I can't even, like the mac and cheese burger. Oh. Makes me crazy. Yeah. Because people look at the, oh, look, mac and cheese. That's so cheesy and yummy and a burger. You put the two together, it doesn't it doesn't work. It's like, I don't want hot, wet pasta in my mouth when I'm eating a burger. <laughs> Sorry. You know? <laughs> I, I know the guy that invented it. You know? Yeah. And I think he feels bad. Yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I think simple foods are the best. Yeah. Source foods. So that being said, who, uh, where did that one come from? So you said 120 years. So we debunk. You help, you're on the debunk. You debunk Louis Lunch. Where 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 have they 
where we where we trace the origin of the burger back to? That's a great question. Um, the burger history is very long. <laughs> you can go as far, you can go back to like the first century, you know, uh, first century A.D. Roman times, Roman Empire. Where they wow. were there with the Book of Aspicius. Calius Aspicius was a uh, cookbook author. Oh, wow. The oldest cookbook in the history of mankind. Um, he actually has a minced minced lamb meat with like nuts and stuff in it, and Patty and Cook somehow put, served on like a some bread, some some kind of leavened bread. But that's not really a hamburger. I mean, maybe it was. Who knows? Um, you, go, you can go as far back as even 13th century Tartars. They were they were uh, they would actually tenderize mutton under their saddles while they rode, and at the end of the day, they would chop up the the warm lamb and mutton, and they would make a tartare. So tartare is not a French thing, by the way. I mean, you know, oh it's no, it's actually tartar. I mean, the Tartars like the Russians. Oh you know? shit, <laughs> it's actually a Russian invention. Wow, <laughs> tough to talk about this week. I know, right? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but it is. Well, <laughs> I mean, we're just, we were just kids <laughs> telling the truth. It's okay. I mean, yeah. like because you would think steak tartare. I think I'm thinking I'm gonna go to Pistro Paul Bear. Like That's right. tartare. I, I oh. told I told a French a French audience that once, and they were like, "You can you can go home now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really, is a Russian Fini. invention. <laughs> <laughs> no, take the e off, and it's now the Tartars. <laughs> so eventually, the, the raw chopped meat went across uh, the Baltic Sea, ended up in the port of Hamburg, where it was switched over to beef or lamb, a bit from lamb to beef, okay. and then it was cooked and served on a plate, and it became known as something called a frikadellen, which is just a, it's a hamburger patty. Um, like a Salisbury steak, some gravy, that sort of thing. As as uh, Germans started to immigrate to the United States in the 1880s, I'm giving the really quick brief. No, it's all good. Going, that was awesome. Um, they, they, they started to immigrate to the United States in the 1870s, 1880s. Uh, they brought it with them, and they would find that there were already people who were in the U.S. making their own Hamburg steak or steak in the style of Hamburg. Uh, it moved to the Midwest as the Germans were trying to find – they were seeking out farmland to grow stuff. State fairs started to happen. And, of course, every state fair had their own little food court. And you would go to a food court, you know, a food area to get food. And a lot of times you'd, you'd find hot dogs or Frankfurters, the other German. <laughs> um, wow, the Germans have had a lot of influence on sure our did. meats here in the United States. But the Frankfurter was portable because it was in bread. And they started to think. Mm. I mean, you imagine being like you're selling a hamburger steak on a plate with gravy and you see a hot dog walk by. You're like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Wait a minute. And so it was actually invented, we don't know, it could be seven, eight, nine different places at the same exact time right. with over a span of like five or six years. So, but it does, it does predate, it, you know, the hot dog predates that by yeah. a good 10 years yeah. as a portable fair food. Yeah. So we, we, there's no real definitive answer. The other thing, the reason that we can debunk the Louis Lunch claim of 1900 is because we found a mention in a newspaper uh, in Moulton, Texas, in the Shiner Gazette. Mm. And it was Barney's Saloon offering Hamburg steak sandwiches in print. Oh, April shit. April 1894. Ooh. Ooh. In print. Damn. Now, there was no, nobody was talking about hamburgers, even the way we are. Right. We're doing a podcast about hamburgers, but nobody was talking about hamburgers back then. So the only way you'd ever see it mentioned is oh, if yeah, that's, that's, an advertisement. I mean, like, they, like literally no one outside that area read that fucking paper. No one... No one in Dallas even read that fucking yeah, paper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's legit. It's like, true. Yeah. It's like legit, legit. Oh, yeah. See, that's why everybody, everything was so. Everyone thought they invented the burger at the same time because there was no, there was no cross news. Right. It wasn't like you know national news. Guess what? Right. Right. A burger's being served at Barney's Saloon, Moulton, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> was it news? Just was it news? It was just food. <laughs> Come on to Barney's, get your burgers. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time it was actually in print, as far as we know. We're gonna someone's gonna come up with something else. Oh, wow. I guarantee it. That is that's 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 awesome. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's a good time to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
All right, are you ready for another great distributor to look for when shopping for fine wines and spirits? Let me tell you about Independence Wine and Spirits, or IWS. IWS is one of the hot, up-and-coming distributors of fine wines and spirits headquartered in New York City. Like Taub Family Selections, IWS is owned by the Taub family, who have re-entered the New York wholesale market, bringing the family back to its roots in distribution, where they held court from 1951 through 2004. IWS is proud to represent an exceptional portfolio of high-quality, terroir-centric, and historic producers from around the world, including Italy and France, where they have an exciting roster of burgeoning Vinrones from Burgundy that are coming your way soon. They also have domestic producers such as La Coya, Cardinale, Staglin, El Molino, and many more. To learn more about IWS, go to independencewine.com. Okay, we're back. So... um, Let's talk about burger chains because, and you know, like, like we were talking about like the, the better burger, right? So what's like some of your better burger, like, you know, Shake Shack, In-N-Out, uh, Culver's, which does a butter burger. Culver's, yeah. Like, so what are some of your favorite, like you're on the road um, and maybe you're off the interstate, you're not going to make it to like the, the legit like local spot. What are some of, the, some of your favorite like uh, burgers out there that would be fast food, like some of these newer, better burgers? I mean, uh, it's pretty easy to say that Five Guys would be one of my favorites because they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not, I don't play favorites. No, no, no. But, <laughs> but if I were like looking for a burger and I was starving and I saw that there was five guys near me, I'm going to five guys because you're going to find that in every corner of the country. It's fresh ground beef. It's, else you can do it. You can make the burger however you want. Mm-hmm. They have it every possible way. I mean, I, I personally like my barbecue sauce, raw onions, and uh, well, that's, that's it. And yeah, raw oh, onions wow. and barbecue sauce and pickles. Oh, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> that's simple. the way to go as a double cheeseburger. Um, but uh, they don't call them double. They actually call it a cheeseburger. It's a cheeseburger. Yeah. And it's a little cheeseburger if you it's want. Single. A single patty. Yeah. <laughs> I'd explain that to my that. wife. She was, I was like, no, if you don't say cheeseburger because you're going to one patty. Yeah. I want to. I, I don't say double cheeseburger. Just say cheeseburger, little cheeseburger. <laughs> so that's a great. That's a great solution if you're driving around the country. Yeah. But, this, but you're in the Midwest. I would not go to Five Guys. I would go to Steak and Shake. Okay. And steak and Shake is everywhere. And yeah. so that's one of the oldest yeah. fresh meat hamburger joints around today. That has not changed at all, really. Okay. On the West Coast, again, I'm not going to go to Five Guys because I've got In and Out out there. I'm going I'm In and Out, man. I I first thing I do when I get off the fucking plane, LAX, is go yeah. to In and Out right by LAX. Oh yeah. Ugh. And it's a good burger, but the I was never really blown away originally by the um, by the uh, the regular double double. Right. I was on I was on Gail King's radio show years ago, uh-huh. and the first question she says, "I've got a bone to pick with you." I'm like, what, what did I do? <laughs> I haven't said anything yet. She said, uh, "You you once said that In and Out was the most overrated burger in America." I said, "Well, <laughs> since then, Gail, I've had the <laughs> the In and Out double double animal style, yeah. which changed my life." I'm a, I'm a, I'm a three exist. by two. Yeah, the people Ooh, are, so am I, by the way. I wait, go wait, three wait, by two. Second. Three patties, two cheese? Yep. Hey. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I did, I tried a three by three, it was too much cheese. Three by two was like, you're mm, absolutely right. It was absolutely in the right. fucking pocket. Yeah. yeah. But know? animal style. Animal style? Animal style and fries. I'm going to try it next time. Oh. You know what? Because, you know, I'm going to go three by three animal style. Three by three animal style. Per, is, per George. It's a very satisfying <laughs> yeah. adventure. I'm going to get on that. What I like about Shake Shack is like, like it's still like a three by three animal style is like four fifty. Well, shake shit. No, you mean the in and out. In and out. Yeah, in and out. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that other place is like a single. Like it's like eleven bucks for a burger. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm like, mm. yeah. And that's why I tell you, I'm like, you have to, like, it's the same thing with wine, right? I'm like, there's different parameters that you're looking at, right? So inside of like, I'm like, even that double doubles two fifty. Yeah. Fresh beef, blah blah. blah. 
um, like that's two fifty versus ten dollars for some. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, I mean it's you know, you know marginally uh, better meat. Right, at right. The, I'm assuming at the at the at the Shake Shack, right. of course. But Shake Shack is a great, other great place. But it's again, it's like one step above you know all the other right. the other you know, the, right. the better burger. Better burger category out there. Like right. a smash burger is another great one. Yeah, I don't want to leave a smash burger. That's a great hamburger experience. I've had those in a while, but yeah, there's one near me. Too. Yeah, and they have beer and wine. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> That's what you, love. Uh, you know. Um, but yeah, no. So and then also like, because um, I watched like the most recent episode and you were outside grilling a burger. Mm. Let's talk about flat top burger versus a grilled burger. So we've done I think 34 episodes of the show now. And in those 34 episodes, we've only grilled outside twice, okay. which goes to show that, you know, <laughs> a lot of the burgers I make are on a flat top or are there other methods for cooking. Um, but for me, primarily, it's a flat top. And it's, there's a reason for that. It's because in America, uh, most burgers are cooked, you know, most of like the cool, awesome old school places are cooked on a flat top, right. not on a flame. Right. Flames are too dangerous. Yep. Flames burn things down. This is what happens in the hamburger world. I mean, back in the beginning, oh, they were yeah. like, that's too dangerous. Because originally, people don't, people don't realize this, but in the dawn of the hamburger, before there were actual buildings, most hamburgers were not taken seriously. So they were cooked from like carts, mm-hmm. or if they, had, they were lucky to have a permanent location, they had a tent. And you take a tent and you take hamburger grease and flames, didn't last, didn't last very long at all. So, <laughs> so people got away, like, it's not safe to do this. And they, see, they, they started cooking in a pan. And the pan then evolved to the griddle, and it was a lot more, lot safe, way safer to cook on a flat top. Flavor-wise, what do you prefer though? So there are two different flavors completely. Yeah. Um, I do prefer the right. the griddled burger, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I do like the flavor of charcoal. It's it's amazing if yeah. you really do it right. right. I mean, it's most places in America that will cook a burger inside on a flame. It's cooked on propane, it, yeah, so you get it's it doesn't gas. taste that it's great. Exactly, it doesn't yeah, taste yeah. great. It's not. But there are a few places that actually cook on wood or charcoal inside. There's a couple places in the Midwest, especially the Upper Midwest, where they cook on charcoal inside. Mm. This is totally weird, but really good. That's the way to go. If you can cook on charcoal inside, <laughs> charcoal period, or on wood, that's the way to go. Yeah. yeah. For 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 grilling, yeah. you know. And so in that last episode, you made it was a right kielbasa burger, just sort of close close. It was a bratwurst burger. Bratwurst burger. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bratwurst burger. Yeah, the brat burger. So people got all up, all up in arms about me saying that you know it's the center of bratwurst in America. I said, no, oh, the center of bratwurst in the world is Germany. I said, I know that, but there is something very specific and very different about the bratwurst in uh, the, the, the like the actual Wisconsin bratwurst. It's called and an American butter, bratwurst. Right? I mean, that, there's a reason. There's you know, yeah, it's just a little different. Yeah. It's it's a little milder. Mm-hmm. I think it's they're using you know it's American cuts as opposed to German cuts or whatever. But it's a very specific. Flavor. It's great. The bratwursts are fantastic. They really are. Um, but you you <laughs> add that to a burger, and you've got a crazy experience. And people also were complaining that the, the bun wasn't, you know, the bun was too hard, or you put the butter on the wrong side. It's like, no, what I do, <laughs> all my burgers on my show, I make them exactly the same way with the same ingredients in the same same direction. I mean, I obsess over, like, the mm-hmm. actual layering of where stuff's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. If, if the butter's in the top, I'm putting the butter on the top. Right. Even though it may look stupid. <laughs> Sorry. That's the way they've been doing it for 60 years. I'm not changing that. Yeah. And then it was, it was just pickles and raw onion in that one. Yeah, it was pickles, raw onion, and, and, butter, and butter, mustard, like, mustard. like mustard. grainy, yeah, yeah, grainy, yeah. yeah it's stone, like grainy stone mustard, mustard, the bratwurst, yep. and uh, no cheese. No cheese. You, you get the cheese state, but that burger, if you get a, a, place, a place called Charcoal Inn North or South, there's two, but I think South just closed. Charcoal Inn North, and they that's the way they do it. That's the, it's a hard roll <laughs> that is toasted on the grill. But there's no cheese in that thing, you know. Yeah. No, no self-respecting, you know, <laughs> a Sheboygan native would put cheese 
on a brat burger. Yeah. <laughs> or cheese near a brat. <laughs> and I love that. I love, again, going back to what you said about that guy, just like, what are the protocols? Like, yeah. Um, do you want to experience, like, this is the experience you came here to have. Have yeah. the experience. Exactly. You Don't know? be an asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a dick, Don't dick. Be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, most recently, in the week of February 14th, Eater New York listed the single smash burger at Moat's Burger, one of the best dishes that Eater's editors ate that week, saying, the burger scholar is known for his Moat's Burger pop-ups, occasionally served from a slide, propped out of his apartment window, <laughs> and vast knowledge of regional burger styles. Tell me about... <clears throat> The, the the Moats Burger and your pop-ups and but before and the, the origin of the slide. Awesome. Um, so the pop-ups started because I made a cookbook called The Great American Burger Book. Okay. And the burger book, I, would, I, was, I did one on a book tour. I, would, I was being asked my opinion about burgers on the news, and I would go to like to – I did a live show, <laughs> the live news morning thing in Seattle on – it's called King Five. It's the big – like the big you know 200 people in the audience, and they said, George, can you make a burger from the book? I said, uh, sure, why not? What, what would you choose? I said, uh, how about the Oklahoma onion burger? I said, okay. So they got me the ingredients, and I realized right away that it was the best choice because it was the best bang for the buck. It was mm-hmm. only – the sum is greater than its parts right. because there's only five things in that burger. It's a bun, cheese, beef, onions, and salt, and that's it. And uh, the flavor is you, – oh, there's got to be some sauce on there. What did you do to this thing? What did you do to the meat? Why is the meat special? I said, no. <laughs> this is the simplest <laughs> burger in the world. And I made that on the air, and I'd never made one on the air before. And I went and I, I – um, uh, I handed it to the host, and she took a bite and said, that's really good. And the, right before they cut to the break, you could see me grab the burger out of her hand and I'd take a bite. And whoa, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> so from that point on, I've been making the burger since then. That was five years ago. 2016, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah, six, six. years ago. Yeah. yeah, so I've been making the burger for a long time now. That, so that burger has become associated with me yeah. because of that news show. on, on uh, and I'm, Since all the news shows that I did to support the book. Mm-hmm. So I started doing pop-ups. I have friends at Smorgasburg, got invited to Smorgasburg, and did, did, uh, spent a lot of time you know, popping up there. Um, and then the pandemic started, and uh, all the pop-ups came to a screeching halt. I was actually in the middle of a world tour. Mm. With doing, I was on a, a pop-up world tour with, the, with that burger. And I had, I think we had, we had already completed 20 dates all through. I was in Japan and Argentina. I was in Paris. And we were, in, we were on the middle, we were four dates left in the tour. Uh, and uh, the pandemic started. And then uh, they had already, I think I had, I had four dates in the tour, but another like 14 dates on top of that. So mm. a full 18 dates were just canceled right away when the mm. pandemic started. The first week of the pandemic, everything went away. So I started, <laughs> I started thinking, said to my kids, said to my girlfriend, what the hell are we going to do? You know, I can't make burgers now. I said, so I said, I put a post on Instagram. It just simply said, if I sell burgers out of my front window, would you come eat them? And there was this resounding yes. Holy shit. So I said, that's a great idea. So we came up with the idea for the slide. Right. I realized that I, I tore apart. It was like I had a shelf in my kitchen. <laughs> and I tore it down. It happened to be exactly six feet, socially distant, six feet long. And I, I stuck it out the window. And when I stuck out the window, it went down perfectly onto the, the, to the, to the fence in my front yard. And it was the perfect angle. I put a little stop on the end of it, and I started selling burgers out, out of the wind out of the window. <laughs> we ended up selling, I think, 150 burgers in like two hours at one point. Did it the next week again and again and again. And then bars bars were struggling uh, at that point, and they said they need to serve food, serve alcohol, because some people didn't have food at all. So they said, "Can you bring your slide to the bar?" I said, "Sure, why not?" <laughs> so over the full like course of the uh, the first year of the pandemic, we did 54 slides. 
pretty much like one a week. Damn. <laughs> uh, sometimes two a week. Yeah. And I went to different bars and friends. I partnered with friends of mine. Went to the New York Distilling Company. I was there. I'm still going there all the time. You know, the New York Distilling Company has a bar attached to it called the Shanty, as we all know. And the Shanty would have me once a month. And it became a thing where people in the whole, everyone in the neighborhood, they'd start to smell the onions and go, oh, he's back, he's back. And they'd come get burgers. And I literally would slide. We'd, we, you know, you'd stand at the bottom of the slide. Everyone had the, the, their cameras ready on the Instagram. <laughs> they, they would get these great boomerangs of the, the burger coming down the slide in the bag and back up and back forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I realized, I, just, I was sort of like it was an added bonus, I guess, that people could, you know, would post on Instagram. Yeah. And it just, it grew exponentially from there. That's that's so crazy. That's so dope. Um, so, with your burger, what is your ideal meat to fat ratio? Ideal is seventy five twenty five. Where do that's you get that? Where, where do you get that? Yeah, you can get it at the store. Okay, you have to either have a really nice butcher, yeah, who you trust. <laughs> Um, or you can you can buy the I mean what, my, I use something called Schweiden Sun. Schweiden Sun supplies all the five guys in the country. Okay, um, and it's a great a great meat packer in New Jersey. Um, but okay. they, they now sell retail. They have they have a retail pack. Okay, and they do. If you look in the bottom left of the of the of the packaging, it says what the ratio is. Yeah, no, I found yeah. a place. There was a shop right near me that had a seventy three twenty seven. That's good. Um, but they haven't had it. But sh- but now Shine Sun. Jer- I'm living in Jersey. I'll find them because yeah. because I, I I agree. Like I think I did. Someone deconstructed In and Out one time. In and Out was like. Oh, yeah. 6733 it's a oh, lot really? of fat yeah like this uh i think kenji alt somebody oh, one, yeah kenji yeah, probably did yeah i think it was kenji <laughs> like did like analyze it like yeah, yeah. yeah um and but people don't realize like you know i went through my kick when i was like a personal trainer i was all health and i was like super lean meat and, and buffalo and then like 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 now even 80 20 i'm like eh, not enough fat in this shit <laughs> So yeah, seventy five twenty five sides. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, re- rendered fat is the is the key to absolutely burger flavor. Just ask sure. McDonald's for their fries. Remember that scandal? Yeah. The the beef tallow. That's right. Yeah, they did. And then, yeah. And then they, over in India, they were like, "What? <laughs> All those vegetarians are eating. We've been eating this, this, this forever. Beef tallow. It's like, like forever. Oh, no. We thought it was vegetarian. Exactly. <laughs> <Your> vegetables. <laughs> Why do they taste so good? That's right. Like, they figured it out. Can't stop eating them. <laughs> Um, so that's awesome. I love, I love the ingenuity that came out of the pandemic. I love the service, you know, helping out the bars and restaurants. Um, and then, uh, I think when you really first came on my radar though, was like, um, cause I did a niche niche. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and niche niche is a restaurant here in town that had this great idea. They would bring in, um, uh, different like wine industry professionals, Somalis, whatever importers, and you pick four wines and they pair it with the foods. And but then, like I think the week after I did mine, like you did a pop up there, and I was like, and I was like, and I and then I, I was like, you know, like everybody was on niche niche. So I was like, I had to follow them right because they were they were somebody in in, in the food and wine world in New York. Um, and then I saw you, and then I saw your fucking old Coleman burger, which I like. I found like on diners, drivers, and dives, and I was like, and I was, I was like, oh, look at this guy's burger. <laughs> um, and you did a whole menu. I think you did like blistered chisitos. Like you did a yeah, whole. I did a, I did a five course menu. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. was fun. They let they allowed me to, and I said, I'm, "You sure about this? I mean, I'm a hamburger guy." And they're like, "No, no, we, we trust you. We trust you." I was like, okay, seemed odd to me, you know, because that was not really part of like that. I'm Paul Liebrand had cooked there. Yeah. Uh, a few months earlier, I said, yeah. "Why am I cooking in the same kitchen as Paul Liebrand? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense." Come on, you know, <laughs> are you sure? Are you drunk? Are you drinking? Are you drinking the wine? Yeah, you know. <laughs> over there 
But I said, okay, fine. If you really want me to do this, I'll do this. I'm into it. We did two days there. Yeah. And had a great time. Jean Georges showed up one day. Yeah. See, it's, you know, I mean, <laughs> Jean Georges showed up and he, he had he had the food. And I, oh. I had this funny story where I ended up having to go in. I would explain, like, you know, each dish you yep. know, to the, to the like, friends of mine who were at tables and say, so this dish comes from so and so. And because it was, there was five courses. And one of the courses one night was, um, was uh, potatoes au gratin. Okay. Now, gratin is a, you know, it's a classic. Actually, the, honestly, it was a replacement for something I couldn't figure out. And at the last second, I was like, make it, make it gratin. I, I, can't, I can't think about this anymore. And so I had to come up with recipes that the, obviously that the kitchen could reproduce. Yep. And that I could explain at a table. And everyone had a story. And I had a story behind that one, too, which I totally forgot now. But uh, they came out to me. I was making the burgers outside. And they said, George, I want to let you know, we just dropped the gratin on, on uh, Jean-Georges' table. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Time to face the music. <laughs> and I literally walked in like in a cloud. And I walked over to the table, and he's sitting there <laughs> with a bunch of his friends, all the chefs from the restaurants, who I knew. I knew one of the chefs from one of his restaurants. And I said, so the story behind this is that this is a collaboration between me and my mom. And I ran out of the <laughs> And I ran out of the That's restaurant because so my first thought was, <laughs> he can't, he can't knock my mom's recipe. It's like because you come in like, what'd you say about my mama? Like it's gonna be a fight. You talk about somebody's mom. So he's like, I'm from Long Island. I'll fuck and you we, up. Talking about my mom's, right. dude. And I went back inside, kind of sheepishly looking around. Is everything okay? And he's, he looks at me. He says, This is very good. This is very good. What's in it? And I said, Actually, honestly, I'll tell you. It's I use Beemster, which is a, which is a, a Dutch cheese. You know. Okay. And he said, it's very good. And I was like, whoa, did John George just tell me that my time was very good? <laughs> this is very weird. I said, okay, I want to go home now. <laughs> I was like, wow, what's happening here? And he also loved the burger. So the best part is he was at, we saw him coming down the street. I was cooking outside because we couldn't cook inside a niche niche for the burgers, obviously. Right. And he's coming down the street. I swear to God, I see him down the street. And he's walking towards me and he goes, you can smell this down the street. <laughs> The onions are so strong and so good. So I knew I'd kind of had hooked him at onions. So, so. yeah, that is the thing about that burger. People like you said that onion that beef fat hits, and it's like it's true. It's it's a bit of magic. You yeah, know? it's yeah. some some science in there. Um, <laughs> so um, let's talk about your shows. Um, you're on Burger Scholar Sessions on Complex Network. You're on season five now. We're in the middle of season five. Yeah, we just uh, we're about to do three season season five episode three drops on Monday. Yeah, wow. so it's, we're yeah, right in the middle of airing. We filmed last month and part of December. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride because we do this you know on our own um, in my apartment and my girlfriend is the entire crew. Oh wow, which is wild. She's she's <laughs> she's wardrobe hairstylist. Uh, food stylist, uh, producer. I mean, she does everything. She's also, if you watch the show, I always hand off the burger at the end, and then I have to ask for it back because she's trying to eat it. She's, <laughs> she's always the hand that comes out and reaches and grabs the food. And sometimes I forget to hand it to her, and she, I, the camera shuts off, and she says, what were you thinking? I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but the way we're able to pull it off is because we have the director and, one of the, and a bunch of the producers on a Zoom call next to the A camera. So they're on a Zoom call and they're basically directing me from the, from California wherever they are. Wow! Um, in the house and we're able to do everything on our own. <laughs> it's, just, it's just wild. It's so much fun. I mean, it's it's not the way a show should be shot technically, right? right. But honestly, it's a lot of fun and right. it's a really great. I like doing it that way because I have my house is built is set up to do just about anything I need to do. I've got a full a uh, full um, complement of uh, like plates and dishes and forks and mm -hmm. knives and condiments and, and I mean everything you could dream of I could if they say can you do this I'm like can you <laughs> yeah I got that I've got that thing I've got that that dish I've got that that special tool I've got that ingredient I can do anything in that house so it's kind of nice it's made it a lot easier so nice nice um, also I understand you're involved with the uh, food film festival in New York 
I created the Food Film Festival. Oh. Yeah, that was my, my baby uh, 15 years ago, 16 years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Oof. Where did where did the idea for that come from? And tell us a little about the, the genesis and then the evolution of it. Yeah. The Food Film Fest uh, is a multi-sensory experience. <laughs> That's the way we like to put it. Um, you don't just watch a movie about food. You actually get to experience the food while you are watching the film. So if you're thinking to yourself, you're watching a donut film, and you're like, oh, man, I got to have that donut. The minute you have that thought, because we're in your brain, we actually send the food down the aisle, send that donut, that exact same donut you see on the screen, down the aisle so you can have it at the same time. It's a multi-century experience. That's the idea behind it. Um, of course, with the pandemic, we've had to stop because really passing food down an aisle with a bunch of people in the movie theater was not really conducive <laughs> to being a mask wearing or anything else or six-foot social distance. You can't pass something you know, yeah. to somebody else. Um, so we have, we've had to stop. We're regrouping and thinking about the next step. It's going to be a little bit different format, but we're planning on doing it again uh, in, two, in 2020 in October. That's the plan. But it started uh, 2007, and it was actually I was doing a I was doing all the film circuit, the film festival circuit, and I kept getting grouped into the food section for my movie Hamburger America, and I started meeting all these other food filmmakers, and I said to myself, well, it would be great if we could show you know have other food filmmakers, you know you know show their films in one place, and I had actually shown also Hamburger America at a friend's bar, um, and we decided to make some of the burgers in the film, mm-hmm. and uh, that ended up becoming uh, you know people were able to see like eat the like the butter burger. Which they'd never even heard of the butter burger after seeing it on the screen, and so the idea of the food film fest came from basically from Hamburger America. So the, the rise of the hamburger knowledge with me and the food film fest sort of happened at the same time. Okay, food, food, food film fest is a lot of fun. Yeah. We were just about to do something in Japan. We were doing the, the actually food film fest Tokyo, and we got shut down by the pandemic. So it'll come back. But like, but like, like whose idea was like donuts? Like, I mean, like where did that? Like where did I mean? What made you say like we're we're, we're going to show them a picture? It goes. We started. We talking about you taking angles like and like then yeah. like well so f- food is supposed to be experiential That's and one of the biggest this. problems with showing a food film is that any kind of food content is that if you can't eat it you get pretty pissed off or you try to find a way to go get that thing you know right, right. immediately as fast as you can I must have that right now um, or I need to make it myself or recreate that or something. And the Food Film Fest was a way to bridge that gap. Got it. But then also we realized that also you weren't just there to eat food and stuff your face. But let's say there's, say, Paul Lieberman is on the screen, right? We did we show his, I think we actually did show his film. We've, we've shown a lot of films about chefs and yeah, chefs that make food. And uh, to get them there was also a big deal, to have them show up right. um, at the Food Film Fest. Because then you're not just eating the food. You're eating their food. You also get to meet them in the after party. And it becomes this very, very you know, sort of surround sound of food in a way. It's, a lot of, it's also a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's all inclusive. And you walk in and we, we tell people, you know, when you walk in the door, we've got you. You're going to have a good time. Don't come, come with an Unless empty stomach. Unless you're a vegan or gluten intolerant. <laughs> no, no, even that. Even that. Wow, we, you we do, do that? Wow. We do. What we do, what we make sure we're covered pretty much on all our bases most of the time. Okay. <laughs> so we try. Okay. Yeah, we, and we, we really push it, too. We're, we, you know, we've, um, we've, we did a, a bug event. We did an, an um, edible insect event okay. with a guy named Chef Joe Yoon, who's, a, who's like the, he's the edible insects guy. And it's amazing to watch people go to watch the film and say, oh, shit, I can do this. I can eat edible insects. And they yeah. go to the after party, and they're all these. You know, like you know, ants on a log. Yeah, actual ants. On a log. Yeah, <laughs> like, then, you know the thing though. When like you eat crickets, like like you're like, what's that? Yeah. Oh, it's oh, that's a, a leg. It's a leg. Yeah, exactly. It can't be done. I, I, I remember I, when I eat crickets. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. But I had friends who were I had friends who were eating at, eating insects at the food film fest, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, you're eating insects, but they're okay with that. Yeah. A friend of mine walked up to me and said, oh, I'm so full. I'm so full of insects. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, good for you, you know. But it's a, so our job is to our, our job is to I, I like to say this um, is to show a know-it-all New Yorker something. No, and I, I, I yeah. get it. And and <laughs> I mean, insects are delicacies in parts of the world. They just are. yeah, and they're just high in protein. Um, high in protein. You have to eat a lot to get the protein. Yeah, out of everything, though. yeah. I mean, you know, they're also low in calories, so you, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you can actually. Eat Chablis banging for someone who doesn't know anything about wine. It's delicious. Well, I, this is my girlfriend. My girlfriend is okay. the, she's the wine, yeah. the wine connoisseur yeah. in the family. Um, let's uh, one more question. So, you know, we, we got off to a, a shaky start with the research, saying you're from Kansas. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna say, do I understand correctly that you have a possible restaurant in the works? Yes. Okay, we I can that. say that for sure. Ooh, okay. All I can tell you right now <laughs> yeah. is. That, <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you where. Yeah, that's fine. But it is—it's happening. Um, and but I, that's that's all I can tell you. Um, yeah. But we've been talking about it for a long time. That's great. I listen. Yeah, I'm a DM you and, and like I'm like you know, just just <laughs> like when it's open, let me know. I'll be your first night. And, you know, that's all. I'm not I'm not gonna. There's gonna be. I'm gonna some, put you on yeah. blast or anything. But I like to be at like shit like that. We've been dreaming about it for a long time, and uh, I believe it's gonna be a reality soonish so that's so, all i can tell you and, so. and 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 that's what like is it it and it's a restaurant or is it a burger place or a restaurant or is that all you can do oh you've said all you can say i don't want to oh, I, can, I can say it's a burger restaurant okay for sure. okay, okay. <laughs> we'll bring up a hot, hot dog joint yeah, <laughs> well we said that guy was a smarter guy <laughs> like you know that's right. uh, um, uh, no but the the plan is to open up a hamburger restaurant soon okay. um what i can't tell you is that um uh, I know I'll get, uh, the plan is to get it right. Gotcha. You know, I'm gotcha. not gonna. I'm not messing around. I'm gonna make sure we get it. We're not opening a restaurant until I get it right. That's, that makes makes sense to me. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about your oh, yeah. limited edition ragtime rye. So <laughs> during the pandemic again. During the pandemic, uh, everybody was drinking more. I know everyone was drinking more, <laughs> but the, well, actually, the problem was that uh, uh, distillers weren't selling a lot of alcohol at the beginning because they were sold in bars. Right. Bars were shut down, so there was nobody was going, as you know, to, to drink. Going, um, in. yeah, especially the good stuff. Yeah. You know, the stuff that Nick <laughs> just makes it a little shabbly. <laughs> um, the idea was that um, a friend of mine came to me from New York Distilling Company. I'm good friends with uh, Alan Katz, who's the was the one of the is he's the big distiller there. Okay. Um, he was, actually also started this distillery with a friend of his, Tom Potter. Um, it's a it's a good whiskey. No, it's good. No, it's got like <laughs> toffee notes and oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So Caramel. they came to me and they said we would like you to we like to put your face on a bottle. <laughs> so, oh, okay, hold my beer. Uh, I said, well, what do you mean? They said, well, we're, we're going to send you six samples of barrels, single barrels, and we're going to call it your single barrel selection. I said, okay. So they sent me six samples. We'd, I've had a great time tasting them. And friends of mine went to friends of mine, and you know, we socially distance, you know, distance uh, tasting, um, and tasted. We chose one of the six, one of the barrels, and I forgot the name of the number of this barrel, but um, originally it was a, a very special barrel that was, I think, four and a half years old at times, four and a half year whiskey. So it's very, it's very good. Um, but then uh, fast forwarding into a year later, and we're still in the pandemic, and they say, can you do another bottle for us? I said, sure, but this time I have a few changes I want to make. I want to make sure I want an older barrel, and I would like to obviously make it uh, cast strength. So this is not cast strength. This is the last of the okay. non-cast strength stuff. Okay. Um, this is 100 proof. Mm-hmm. It's still, still pretty strong. I mean, it's 50% alcohol is pretty strong. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's also not as old. So we chose, a, um, we chose an older one, a six-and-a-half-year uh, barrel, which actually goes back to the beginning of their – uh, their their whiskey world uh, because they started making whiskey I think eight years ago now so this is pretty much one of the oldest barrels they have not this one but this is the the next one that we, we chose 
and um, it was great to be able. So it was actually a different recipe. So it was more a little more bourbon, less rye. This mm-hmm. is this is definitely a rye. Yeah, what's the difference between bourbon and rye for people who don't uh, drink whiskeys? The, well, the basic one is that they replace some of the other grains you put in whiskey and uh, bourbon with rye grains. So it's a little 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 uh, almost like spicier. Okay. Uh, so it has to have a certain a rye. Uh, so it's called a rye bill. It's like they have to, has to have a certain amount of rye in the in the the recipe to make it a rye. Right. I mean, I think most drinks have a, some rye in it. I think maybe, but bourbons are mostly you know there's uh, bar in that barley. There's what's important corn and whatever else. Yeah. Um, which makes makes it makes it very sweet. Yeah, corn because um, of the mash. Yeah, right, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is uh, this is more rye. That's what makes it a rye. <laughs> More rye grain. <laughs> I was very happy. That. I was like, you know what? I like whiskey. I like a smart whiskey. I don't like a really super sweet whiskey. Right. But this was somewhere, you know, something between a bourbon and a rye because it just tasted very sweet to me. It's yeah. good. Yeah. It's very drinkable. Yeah. And you have you do have the face for a bottle. It's a great little. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Happy to do it. I was also, I was the one who came up with the idea to put the, the number stamp on there. They weren't putting number stamps on Oh, there. yeah. That's, so oh, I was, yeah. I think I was their first, I think it was their first bottle. And then after they went to Tom Clicchio, right. Tom Clicchio did a bottle, and then it, it had a lot of other like you know food celebrities and uh, and DJs do bottles. Um, uh, yeah, mm. but it was, it was. I mean, I'm very happy with them. They were about to do a third bottle, so actually this bottle is sold out. You can't get this bottle anymore. So this is yours. You can have that. Even Thank you. If we drank, already drank half of it. Sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, this is something I'll just sip on. Yeah, it's you. Yeah, you can hit it once in a while. It's yeah, good. that's what I love about. Um, I have a bottle of sherry. A guest gave me like it's like. And it's like it was a 375. I still have like half of it left. It's yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, that actually has stuff, a little, yeah. reminds me of a sherry almost. Yeah, it's like I mean, a Macchiato. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uni- it's a unique, it's, very, um, it's a very unique whiskey for sure. Yeah. It's not a normal whiskey. It's made in New York. You know, most whiskeys are made <laughs> in Kentucky, obviously. Yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. But, um, uh, I think at your niece niece, didn't you pair one of the dishes with one of your rhymes? I did. Okay. I forgot about yeah, that. Thanks like, for yeah, what, that up. yeah, what would you pair with? What would you pair with? Like, Dessert. Okay. <laughs> what I did was we actually poured it over ice cream. Oh, shit. And it was table side, too, so people could see the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> that was the idea. Here's the bottle. I had, I had the, all, the, all the wait staff, you know, go over and pour, like, right, hey, right. Pour over the, the show. And, but it's my face in there. It's not just any whiskey. Yeah, yeah. I had this, I was in uh, my honeymoon years ago uh, in um, <laughs> in Italy, and I went to this, we were eating in this, like, castle, and they served us, so the dessert was a scoop of chocolate ice cream with a with a dollop of um, whiskey on top. Mm. And I was like, whoa, what's a great idea? Yeah. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Um, so ever since then, I've been trying to recreate that. I, at home, I, I recreate created all the time at home. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually did it in a restaurant on ice cream. People were very excited about it. No, I, people don't realize. Um, I tell you, you can do that with you can do that with whiskey. You can do it with port. You can do it with Moscato. Yeah. yeah. Um, over some soft serve. It is. It's really it's a great, great thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommend it. <laughs> so, um, like for you, what, what do you, uh, I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on. You're in a new season. Got a restaurant going on. Uh, like, what's like, what's a typical day like for you, man? <laughs> like we were kind of joking before we started, like, 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 <laughs> because, like, I'm like, you know, I get up, you know, I get up, kind of when I want now, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm not like financially independent, but like, this is what I do. So, like, if I don't have to be here till three, you know, I know when I got to get on the train. Like, but like, what's a typical day? Like, but you have a lot going on. But like, what's yeah. a typical day going? On? Well, t- typically, I, I mean, half of my life, I have to wake up and get my kids out of bed, which is fun. Yeah. 
get my kids out of bed isn't yeah, teenagers especially are not easy yeah they look at you like you're crazy yeah or if they or if they can open their oh eyes oh my god how was the pandemic for you oh that was fun <laughs> i have a friend who's a comedian he has like young kids and he just he did a whole bunch of, he's got started a whole thing called the parents lounge just oh yeah based on it but like whoa whoa oh my god uh, it was it was because it was all done th- through zoom it was uh, actually uh, my kids go to a private school and it was all zoom school yeah but how'd you make them get on the zoom like how they oh, no, they <laughs> The school made it fun. The school actually did a good job making it fun. So my we producer were had there. a tough time keeping her kid on Zoom. Oh, was, oh no, I, I'm not gonna say it wasn't it wasn't easy. It was, it was not. It was it was difficult to try to get them focused, but yeah. still, you know, yeah. they, they had to do it. But you get them out. So that's like a big yeah. party day. Like yeah, get them up, get them out, get them up, get them out. But I, just, I, I mean, I literally spend the first hour of every day just putting out fires. I feel like <laughs> like I'm trying to. Who wants this? Who wants that? People are asking me questions about hamburgers. I have to sort of decide which is the most important stuff. You know, someone needs in a restaurant recommendations in, in Italy. Oh, okay, well, hang on, hold on a second. Wow. Let me. Do I do this first, or do I do I go and like you know make sure that the like the the the, the toilet's not flooding? I mean, there's so much going on all the time in my life. But I plan a lot of stuff. You know, I have a lot of things going on, a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, we didn't travel at all. But now that we're out of this, we're sort of out of this thing now. The travel schedule is starting to build up mm-hmm. again. We've already planned a European tour. We're doing a, a European tour. We're calling it Europe 22. Um, we're, we're all the we're trying to make up all the dates that we lost two years ago, and we're back and we're doing uh, Stockholm, uh, Paris, uh, Copenhagen, uh, London, and potentially Dublin as well. So go to Dublin. When are you gonna go to Dublin? Yeah. When are you gonna go to, go to Dublin? I have a daughter who lives there. I'll go to Dublin for oh, your wow. show. Oh wow, excellent! I love she's, Dublin. She, she'd be seventeen. I got invited there by a guy who I will copied fucking my go. burger. <laughs> no, I'm coming to see you, baby. <laughs> There's a guy who copied my burger there uh, and was a big fan. It's called Dash Burger, and they're 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 very excited to have me over there. So oh, you got to let me know, man, because yeah. I haven't seen her because of the pandemic. Mid May, so, so, mid May. Yeah. Oh shit! Okay, we gotta make this happen. Is <laughs> he Moats and MJ in Dublin? Oh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't it wasn't really a burger town before a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, like. Um, yeah, no, I've been there a number of times. And okay. <laughs> checking out the meat scene. <laughs> I mean, it's all like a lot of it's like uh, grass fed and all that stuff. But like, you know, like, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's they're part of the UK. Or they, they're separate by their they, cows you know, there. But they're, you know, it's like like their breakfast sausages are beef. Which, ooh, ooh, no. <laughs> yeah. Bre- breakfast is good over there. Yeah. That's some of the best breakfast I've ever had in my life has been in Ireland. Was it uh, Rashers? That's what they call it. Everything. Yeah. Rashers. Rashers. Yeah. They've, got, they've, got, they've got black pudding, yep. blood pudding. They've no, got pudding. what's it called? Yeah. white pudding, black pudding. Beans and toast. Oh, it's all good. It's all so good. Yeah. yeah. Full Irish. Yeah. Full on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, wow. So, you're going to start traveling, and that's really cool. Um, yeah. Any new books in the works? I mean. Yeah. I've started, I just started working on a revised edition of uh, the Great American Burger Book. Okay. That's happening right now. Um, again, we're trying to open a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> That's taking up some time. Trying to plan that one is a good one. And then also the tour coming up and just everything. That's, I'm doing a TED Talk. I'm planning a TED. I'm doing a TED Talk. Okay. On That's the name of the TED Talk. The name of the talk is Let's Save the American Hamburger. So it's, the hamburger's in jeopardy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, so let's talk about it. I'll say that my first line of the talk is, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and I told him the name of my talk, and he laughed and said, ha <laughs> I didn't know the hamburger was in trouble. <laughs> I didn't know it needs saving. It does. 
Definitely. Because we, we can't lose sight of the primary source hamburger. We have to make sure it, it exists. I know, because we have all this beyond this and beyond that. and that That's also, yeah, a bit of an issue. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you done anything? Have you done any, um, have you tried to cook one of those in one of your style? Have, I have. you played around? Okay. Yeah, I have. You know, they're not quite there. It's just, I mean, it's a I'm, I mean I, I, I'm someone who I lived in California for 10 years, so I've had every kind of diet. I was like a fruititarian. Wow. I wanted to be a breathitarian. I was like, I'm just going to live off of my breath. Because you believe that shit when you live in California. You get all crazy. I want to do yoga. I'm just going to breathe. That's why I'm not going to And drink there. water. Um, <laughs> and I remember, like, there was like a period, like, in the 2000s, like eight out of 10 years, I didn't eat meat. And I remember the first time I had bacon, I was like, what the fuck? How did I not eat bacon for eight years? What the fuck is wrong? And then also, like, and I could hook up some veggie burgers, man, but it's nothing like a cheeseburger. Nothing like a cheeseburger. It's or true. a flat top with American, an American cheese. Let's start, like, like, and we, you alluded to this, like, the simplicity of burgers, like, all these pretzel bun shits and yeah. duh, like, like, is there, is there, is there a, um, do you have a burger you make of your own? Like that is, like I seen your New Mexico chili, but that could I could see that being good. But like, and like my smash burger, can I share with you. I've seen it. Is is grilled jalapenos? I'll do some grilled jalapenos. That's sometime. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalapenos yeah, 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 are good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then pickles. Yeah. And no, but I don't. When, when it's so true about that smash burger, um, I might do a little special sauce on it, but you don't need ketchup. Right? Like literally, just the juice. Yeah. And and the, the acidity from the pickles and and like. Yeah. You know, and like when you when you do the Oklahoma burger, there's still some raw onion there, so it's still got that bite. Yeah, cuts through everything. Yeah, it's true. You know, and that's just I'm a wine guy, but I I'm in awe of the burgers. It's like I'm, <laughs> you heard it first. I'm like I'm like I'm like George. I can't make it a dub. No, I'm going to dub. I'm figure that out. I wish I, I wish I could have brought you a burger. Listen, I I but tagged I the post, away. and the studio was like, "Damn, we wish we had a kitchen here." <laughs> oh, I'm gonna cook to the side. I know, dude. <laughs> yeah, and that's what, how like you're not a chef. How the hell did you like do all those covers at Niche Niche? Like, I mean, you're banging out burgers. You're like, I grew up cooking. Yeah, okay. my, my mom. So my parents split up. My mom had a, had a night job and she couldn't cook dinner. So I was I cooked all the meals mm. for all the kids pretty much wow. every day during the week. Mm-hmm. From I was the oldest one of four, mm-hmm. so I made all the meals for the family. I learned I learned at a very early age not just how to make food, but how to like how to supply like you know like a short menu. You know, to people who were like, "Where's where's our dinner? What's going on?" Um, like it was almost like a short order cook. You right. know, five days a week, four or five days a week sometimes. Um, so I learned early on how to how to cook. You know, for you know for people. Um, and I've I've always had a, a fascination with the way my mom works in the kitchen. My mom is an absolute inspiration because I watch her cook, and she like she'll walk into the look into the refrigerator and she'll pull some things out and then sort of wave her hands and there's like an amazing meal. Like, how did you wait? What the fuck? What did you just? Like, did you, where'd that come from? How did you do that? She's like, oh, just a, just a little this, a little that. And she, like, I realized she had she has uh, the basics of like what most chefs have and doesn't even realize what right. she's doing. In that way, because she has like a little bit of chicken stock in the fridge. She has always has lemons. You know, mm-hmm. you've got a little citrus, you got mm-hmm. a little fat, you got a little stock, mm-hmm. and she's actually making amazing food. Um, you know, from nothing basically. Yeah, and it's so much fun to watch her watch her work. Yeah. and I've learned a lot from that. Learned a lot from her. When you when you talked about like your mom, you said like in her, her hands. I thought of the old hamburger help I had where that would just snap the fingers and like. <laughs> right. So this basically, what she was doing <laughs> yeah. you know, without the hamburger. Without, helper. without the hamburger helper. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I've always been fascinated by food. So, and I've, I, we, my mom and I, my mom and I, for fun, go through old cookbooks. Oh, nice. So, I mean, we do a lot of like not not just cooking, but we we like cooking theory. We mm-hmm. talk about ingredients and how things go together all the time. And actually, it was very difficult during the pandemic. We could not cook together at all. It was mm. a little bummer. Yeah. But we've now gotten back to that, which is great. Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, 
we, I cut you off because I like to do that from time That's to time, bad. just because it's a conversation. <laughs> um, Wow, this is strong. I was like, what was I going to say? Yeah, that's why you're, I'm not the having you are. Time, I was like, hundred <laughs> <laughs> proof. I, I was like, oh, no, so the book, so you're revamping the book. What does revamping a book like that entail? They came to me and they, uh, the publisher asked me to add 20 recipes to the, okay. the, the right now there's 36 recipes in the okay. book. So we're adding 20 recipes to the book. So okay. it's fun. I mean, some of the recipes are coming from the show. That we've uh, explored on the show, and I had a, had a hard time. Uh, I think I finally did it, uh, trying to sell them on international burgers. I said, "Well, no, it's the Great American Burger book. Right. You can't have international." I said, "Well," and I explained to them that you know the burger has gone out into the world and been translated slightly differently in amazing ways. You know, the Buff Sandwich of uh, Denmark uh, is a perfect example. It's it's basically an American hamburger that has gravy dumped on top of the mm. whole thing, bun and all. Oh, right, right, right. Bun and all. Uh, hamburger with a lot from Australia has uh, you know a grilled pineapple inside of it and some ham and it's a lot of weird stuff going on there. Not ham, but a, the rashers are yeah. <laughs> there. Um, you've, you've got the Islak burger from Turkey, uh, which is a, basically, it's sort of like a steamed burger with tomato sauce on it. Um, and it's so good. It's really good. Very garlicky, over garlic, over garlic tomato sauce on, on a burger. And it's very soft and amazing. Um, but that's also, that'll be in the book yeah. as well. Because we're, you know, we're trying to expand a little bit and go out into the international realm without upsetting people. Right. Like the publisher who, you know, who they want everything to be American. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> these are American these are American interpretations. Yeah. Know? I mean I mean, isn't that what our gift to the world is? We've gone out and <laughs> touched <laughs> touched other lands. I don't know what it <laughs> affected other places. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, French fries are not from here. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, the French. Exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, like, if you had to, no favorites, but like, going back to where we started, like, you know, when was there like, like what, where, what was the burger where you were kind of like in a town you had just finished shooting? You're like, damn, this is a really good burger. Like, you don't have to name the burger if you don't want to, but like, what town? Like, 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 you, I, I just we kind of delved in, but like. There had to be a, a place where everybody's like, George knows, you said it, where, how do people decide that George knows burgers? I mean, let's put it this way. Um, there's something I like to call the uh, the Midwest Burger Belt, okay. which goes from Texas north all the way up to um, Wisconsin. And in that Burger Belt, there are hundreds and hundreds of what I like to call the primary source mm -hmm. hamburger spots mm -hmm. in America. It happens to be also where the hamburger was, was invented technically at all these state fairs, but right. they're still out there. Yeah. And there's a bunch of different styles out there that pretty much only exist there, like the Butter Burger, obviously. Um, something called the Lacey Edge Burger, which runs all the way through Illinois. Mm. Uh, if you go from St. Louis, straight to, up to, almost up to uh, Chicago, you have this belt of these Lacey Edge Burgers, which are the Smash Burger, mm -hmm. um, that could only be done on a flat top, but they smash it so thin, it's almost like this, with like a burger Oh, there's like a total, lace on the it's end, like yeah. a little, it's really crispy and brown, yeah. I mean like super, I've seen yeah. it, yeah. And, but it, that it comes from central Illinois. <laughs> People don't realize that, that style comes from central Illinois. You'll see it other places, but it pretty much exists everywhere on that corridor between mm. St. Louis and Chicago. Uh, a place called Shoops is a, is a chain there that has the Lacey Edge Burger and a bunch of other ones like the Carl's Drive-In in St. Louis also has a Lacey Edge Burger as well where they literally just smash it so thin and taper the edges so that it gets almost like that, that beef lace, mm. beef candy, we like to call it. Oh, man. Um, but then you go down to Texas, obviously, and Texas is full of great burgers. Oklahoma is in, is in that belt as well with the onion burger. Um, you can go back to Oklahoma and it's kind of hard to, you know, to miss 
the classic places that have been around for 60, 70, uh, sometimes 100 years out, out there for sure. Yeah. Man. The Midwest. I need to do the <laughs> burger road trip. Yeah, yeah you no, do. Yeah, no, that's that. <laughs> I really do because I love burgers. I like <laughs> it's so bad. I tell you, that's my thing. I'm like, I will take the best ball of wine I got and just have it with a burger. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, and because they both get to shine, you know? Yeah, it's true. You know, there's no, I don't need all this sauces <laughs> and all this special pairings. Just give me a big wine and a big burger. That's why niche niche works so well because yeah. the niche niche crowd. It's so wine focused yeah. that I thought to myself, how are they going to pull this off? Yeah, how are they going to? It's a burger, and but it was Kenneth Crum who's yeah. the, yeah. the the big Kenneth, sommelier yeah, there, yeah, yeah. who's so amazing, yeah, such he's a great awesome. guy. And he knows a lot about wine, <clears throat> a lot about wine. I've known I've known Kenneth for a long time. He's the one who actually brought me in. It was his idea. But uh, when I said, uh, "How are we going to work the pairing?" He said, "Oh, I got this. Don't worry." And he did. <laughs> yeah. And everybody who walked in the restaurant that those on those nights that was there, yeah. they all said they commented, like, "Wow, who who did your wine pairing?" I said, "Wasn't you?" <laughs> that would be Kenneth Crumb. So <laughs> he nailed it. He nailed it. Yeah. And I knew he nailed it because all my friends who were a bunch of wine snobs, some of them, they were they were even they were blown away. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's a it's a niche niche is a great place for that for wine culture for yeah. sure. It's a, and it's an interesting place because there were people there like who didn't know who I was, like because they the kind of thing people come like your friends come because they know you like you said, yeah. And they, there's just people who come because it has got a reputation of like they do really yeah. cool food and wine pairings. You yeah. know, so it's a great crowd of like knowledgeable and people who want to learn about wines and uh, yeah, it's just a great it's a great like think tank for like young wine yeah. brains because I mean end of one of our nights this guy just walked in hey what's up man how you doing this young kid he could have been more than like twenty years old I don't know where he's from but he pulled out a couple of bottles of wine sort of, sort of popping the tops you know popping them and then started pouring wine for everyone yeah. just all the staff yep and I said who's this guy I said, oh he's from so and so vineyard he's a great guy and just. Very like weird, like cool, yeah. you know. Just I think sort of demystifying and uh, making the wine knowledge younger, which I think was as smart. Yeah. So, um, man, George, we got to do this again. <laughs> we got to do it again. Now we knew this is gonna be a good one. Um, thank you so much for coming in, spending some time with us. You're a very busy man. Um, really appreciate all you're doing for Burger Craft. Um, and, and and the good old-fashioned American burger, man. Thank um, you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. The best way to find me is Instagram, Motesburger, M-O-T-Z-B-U-R-G-E-R. Um, or on on YouTube, on the Burger Scholar Sessions, which is part of um, – it's on First We Feast uh, Network <laughs> complex. There, there you go. And for all you guys out there who are listening, thank you so much. But don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode. That's where you'll find the wine we drank. You'll find the whiskey I'm getting – fucked up on right now uh there'll be links to cool things we discussed in the show and much more make sure you check out george <laughs> we'll have links to george's uh his insta his website he i think he sells accessories and shit like how to smash a burger you know yeah, we got a, he's got a hat he's, he's got, got hats yeah oh yeah he got great hats stickers thing and i you know i i rock hats my producer makes i'd wear a hat all the time she's like take it off show your hair um <laughs> It's great hair in this episode. You should see our producers too, and our engineer. Just, it's true. This is like an incredible hair episode. It's the hair the, episode. Uh, the black <laughs> hair in burgers. You don't want hair in your burger, but it was kind of a dope episode. All right, everybody. Until the next time. Cheers to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star review on whatever platform you're listening to. 
And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.